Hello and welcome to The Huddle. Liam Santa Maria back with you uh, just days away from the final round of the NBL 23 regular season. And uh, it's so tight. A whole bunch of teams still playing for their playoff lives. A race for top two. A whole bunch going on. Now, we've also got the awards night just around the corner. The Gazies and the finalists, the top three vote getters for each of those awards announced earlier this week. So to break it down... Well, there's really only one man that you could talk to. The man for whom the MVP trophy is named after. The greatest to ever do it on Australian shores. The seven-time MVP. The 15-time All-NBL First Team selection, Andrew Gay. So sit back, relax. Up next, Andrew Gay. Drewy, Drewy, good. Thanks for joining me, man. Good to see you again. Thank you for that uh, wonderful introduction. Always nice to sit back and uh, hear some of the accolades and not have to go out and step on the floor and and justify it. Very nice. Well, the seven-time MVP gets rolled out on the regular, but 15-time All-NBL first team is just a beautiful reminder of the (laughs) greatness over such a long period of time. Uh, it was um, it was an interesting era. Uh, we played through a time when when I first came into the league, there were 16 teams, so it was a lot more players than we have these days, and uh, seen a lot of variations throughout, and and uh, played with uh, some superstars, which always uh, helps my resume because I, I played alongside some of the greatest of all time in uh, Mark Bradkey, Leonard Copeland, and many others that uh, really helped my situation. So. Uh, a bit of right place at the right time as well for me. So it, um, it sounds impressive, but uh, for, for some reason, in my mind, it, uh, it's not as impressive as it sounds because uh, I understand that there was some good fortune along the way. No, it sounds impressive because it is impressive, but we enjoy <laughs> your humility. That's, that's part of what we love about you. Hey, uh, I mentioned that it's called the Gazies. Now, of course, it's you. It's also your dad. The, yeah. the Lindsay Gay Trophy sits on that Coach of the Year award. Is it? Is it a? Um, do you enjoy the fact that it's referred to now as the Gazies and and you know in honour of what you and your dad brought to the league over such a long time? <laughs> uh, not really. It's a little awkward. I think that uh, certainly from my dad's perspective, absolutely, he deserves every bit of recognition that he gets, and uh, his contribution to the game uh, extends well beyond just the NBL. So when his name's associated with it, I go, yeah, that, that's justified. Me, not so much. It's, uh, it's, uh, whenever I hear it, the, the gazes, I still start to think, hang on, it's not, yeah, it's the MVP gaze award. But now that they've sort of whacked the whole box and dice into the gazes, that's like, hang on a second. Uh, I'm not so sure that that, uh, that's, uh, that, that might be too much of recognition for my contribution so it's um yeah it's nice and i'm extremely honored to have the little statue and the trophy named after me and and hopefully this league continues to flourish and long after i'm dead and buried people will be looking at and go geez look at this this trophy he's not dunking or anything it's this sort of big-headed little statue that i've got here and they'll be going a little finger roll uh, sort of operation what the hell is this all about so um but it's nice it is it is nice and i I am humbled by the the honor that's bestowed upon me um all right well that was a little morbid so so let's move on and 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 and, and get stuck in hey there's been there's been a lot of talk 
over the last few days uh, after the, the three, top three vote-getters were announced by the league on social media, um, people with views on the, who is in, the snubs, and, and who's out and the like. You, of course, uh, again, a part of the, the um, panel of experts, the group of media mm. that were involved in creating the shortlists <laughs> yes. for each of these awards. How did you find this process this time around in terms of, you know, was there any of the particular categories that you found more difficult than another yeah. or what were your thoughts overall on the process there? Yeah, I think they've done their, their very best to provide the best process to, to get outcomes where you feel like that it's very transparent, it's very open and uh, awards go to those that are most deserving. Now, because of the stature of the, the competition and the quality of athletes, there are always going to be some that are just as worthy as the winners, but through a process, you've eventually got to come up with a winner. So it's a, there's always going to be some dif, uh, disappointment, some speculation about certain players, but um, by and large, they kind of, in my view, they kind of pick themselves. And you and I were on the, I think you were, Liam, were on the nominations committee that, that sent a list to... Not this year. I wasn't on this year. You weren't on this year? Right. Doing the next stars thing, it's a little bit of a conflict of interest okay. there. So it's best that I'm not involved. Well, but you are, you have intimate understanding of, of how, it, how it works. And um, the, the nominations committee, it's like when we had to, we had to nominate 15 MVP candidates. Now... The difference between your ninth best and your fifteenth best—I mean, you, you just throw it out there. It, it's really, um, it's really difficult. And I think ultimately, from all the the nominations committee, that the players and coaches were sent thirteen, I believe it was thirteen potential MVPs for the season. Now, to me, that's very broad, very very broad. And in that particular category, I think well. Really no point having the nominations committee because when you're going to throw out 13 players that, that yeah. uh, the coaches and players can select, I mean, anyone could have come up with 13. All the main guys are, are going to be there. So I, I think that that being so broad, it's, you know, it's, it's understandable and um, they've basically got the option to, to make their own choices. But when it gets down to the, the defensive player of the year, the sixth man <laughs> award... Um, the, the, the uh, most improved. Um, they are categories that, fortunately, I watch a lot, a lot of basketball. Um, yeah. But even with that, it's still very subjective, particularly something like the, the defensive category. And I say that because we see we have the eye test and we see effort and we can put some statistical analysis to it. But in an era where there is so much strategy involved in the game about what teams and certain players what they are willing to accept what they're not willing to accept so much switching that goes on so much uh rotations and so much it's it's not a really that one-on-one -on -one, uh situation as much as what it perhaps might have been in the past on the defensive end and because mm. of that um i think that that perhaps the coaches in particular uh, are, are going to be better judges because they understand specifically what's going on. They understand mm -hmm. what the rules are that certain uh, players are, 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 and coaches are, are implementing and therefore can make perhaps a little bit more of an accurate assessment based on um, strategically what the opponent is doing.
All right, so let's then dive straight in to the most controversial uh, of the uh, finalists and the group of finalists over the last couple of days. You're referring to it right there, Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. Um, so it ends up being Shay Yelly, Derek Pardon, and Antonius Cleveland, the top yep. three vote-getters from the coaches and captains. Um, now, there's been talk... I've been talking about Jarrell Brantley, to Jim yep. McCall, Justin Simon, other guys that could or should have been in that, involved in that consideration. I listened to your man, Kane Pittman, on the, the ESPN Ball in the Real World podcast earlier this morning. I thought he made a really good point. Yep. Because he was saying, well, the, there's been, there's, should Shaili having only played 14, maybe 13 games yep. over the course of the season, should he have even, his name even got to the coaches and captains? Should it have gone through that, that first level and been a part of that small group of nominations? What's your thought on this award and how it's played out? Yeah, it's a tricky one. And um, uh, I, I think that he is an elite defender. There's no doubt about yes. that. Uh, no I think the criteria should be expanded that maybe 70% of the games you had to have played in. Um, so, I, again, I might be sitting on the fence a little bit uh, in the sense that um, I think that he's an elite defender. You notice the difference when he is playing on the floor with Melbourne United and he has a very significant impact these days at both ends of the floor. So he, is, he absolutely is one of the best defenders in the competition. But if I was to... Um, if I was the grand poobah, uh, which I'm not, uh, I would have put a higher weighting on, and maybe the criteria should have been there need to be an, a minimum number of games because we've only seen that eliteness in maybe half the games. Um, yeah. So, so I, I think that there should be some regulation about how many games you, you, you need to play in order to be eligible. But take no, I don't want this to be an insult to Shay Illy because no. he is... I mean, that goes without saying. Yeah. Yeah, absolute star. And, and a, a guy that impacts... And in those games he played, had a massive impact at that end of the floor in particular. So if you were the Grand Pooba and yep. who you said got it, who would, who would you hand over the Damien Martin Trophy for that award? Well, I'm going off the top of my head here. I'm, I'm happy to tell you, I, I don't have my, the information right in front of me, but my top three, um, I, I know Justin Simon was in my top three. Yep. I know Derek Pardon was in my top three. Mm -hmm. And I believe uh, Antonius Cleveland was in my top three. Mm -hmm. um, I think I had Xavier Cooks in my top five. Um, and... I, and um, just toss a coin. I can't remember. All those guys. I can't all those guys out who the other one was. It may have been Shay Lilly. It might have been Brantley. All those guys I, I've got great respect for and are worthy of there. But but they were they. I know that those top three were my top three. Um, and I don't know how many of the, 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 the. I think the coaches and the players might have had. You might know. Was it five or six to choose from? Yeah, maybe six or seven is what I'm. Seven. I'm okay, so. So, so, you know, again, when you're going six or seven deep, uh, not trying to exonerate myself or the committee's responsibility, but our influence on determining any of the winners is very, very minimal, if at all, in some of these categories, particularly the MVP, almost non-existent because we, we weren't really narrowing the field all that much. <laughs> 
All right, well, let's let's pivot now. You're talking about some of these categories kind of pick themselves. I think Coach of the Year is probably one of those this year. Um, yeah. Scott Roth, of course, the reigning Coach of the Year, and he has been sensational once again. He's got his team. They're a very strong chance to lock in the top four spot over the course of this weekend. But it lands as Chase Buford, Modi Mayor, and Adam Ford as the top yeah. three vote-getters. One, the defending champion who came into the season with high expectations and has met them. Yep. in a big way in Chase Buford, and two Cinderella stories coming from ninth and 10th last season to a top three. Man, all very, very worthy. I, yep. I think I just have Adam Ford probably with a, just a tiny bit in front. I thought that the, the way in particular his team handled the loss of Keanu Pinder midway through that season, that six-game winning streak without him to stay up there in that top two mix, yep. really, really impressed. And, and, of course, he has a big involvement in that. And it's so hard to judge, of course, when you're not in the locker room. Yeah, We know that for a fact. But given the state of play, what's your thought on this award, these finalists, and who should take home your dad's trophy? You're spot on, and they're all absolutely worthy. Uh, if Again, if you were asking for, for um, you know, you have to make a decision one way or the other, I would lean mm. more towards Chase Buford. Uh, mm. I think the, the, the challenges of backing up are significant, and the complete transformation in his imports. He had three mm. bona fide superstars last year. He's got three... Different looks. Uh, you, you know, maybe Derek Walton Jr. You can draw some comparisons, I guess. But I still think that he is um, different to last year's uh, MVP. So I, I think that with that different look requires different points of emphasis. Your ability to make that, that those changes. Um, yes, he's got a very strong league MVP candidate in Xavier Cooks. He's got a, a really good depth of talent. No question. But um, when you are... The number one team. When everyone is, you are the barometer for everyone else and usually you're going to get the best preparation and the best um, uh, performance in regards to that arousal levels and players getting up for a game, they've had to deal with that night in, night out because they are the defending champs. Yeah. It's very, very difficult to defend, uh, to defend a title. And to do it with a different group, the adjustments that, that he's been able to make, I would, you know, like I said, if you had to twist my arm, he would be the one that, that I would vote for as number one. But when you look at the Cairns tight bands and what Fordy's been able to do, it's extraordinary. And, and, and what Modi's done, and you've got the two bottom teams now uh, vying for a, a top position, it is, it is worthy of recognition. Absolutely. Um, and... If it goes to any one of those, I'm not saying they were robbed. I'm saying, yep, well done. Uh, they deserve it. The thing about it is, too, I think it actually will go to one of those because I think whenever the fact that they've got taken a team that's been what most of us consider poor to now being legitimate championship contenders, that all all bodes well. You know, people yeah. realise that that's something they've been able to do something dramatic. Um, so and, and I get that. So that's why I think that they will, one of those will probably win. But from from me, as saying how difficult the challenges are, the, 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 the challenge that Chase Buford and what he's been able to do uh, is worthy of my top goal. Yeah, I think you're right, and, and I I suspect 
it probably, if I had to guess, it'll probably go to Modi Mayor just because, like, the slipper has really fit that that group. If you want to talk about Cinderella stories, yep. like you know, just the, the tough years that they've had and the turnaround, and how, how how classy he's been over a couple of certain key moments, the way he spoke about what happened with Corey Webster, his social media team. <laughs> so just some things I think that might have stuck in the yeah. the mind of, of voters, things that clips that they saw on social media and the like. Um, he's they've all done spectacular jobs. Yeah. Um, let's talk now about the most improved player so mm. for me most improved i ranked them for just on a personal basis yep. will mcdowell white keanu pinder who is an amazing story could potentially win back-to-back most improved player awards yep. for the first time in history I, I don't i've never seen it anywhere in the world no me uh, and then i also i said jack mcveigh now that ends up as the top three vote getters not being mcveigh that's sean mcdonald who's a really cool story in his own right yep. how do you see this one playing out with the guys that are in that mix yeah, it's a tough one. It's one of the hardest ones to pick because uh, sometimes it's just about role and opportunity. How much have you actually improved? Well, my improvement is the coach plays me more and the coach <laughs> plays me in a better position. How much have I, have I actually improved? I'm the same guy. Yeah, that's it. Now, now we are making a judgment on how they were previously where... Yeah. You know, a different set of circumstances, different teams, different personnel around them. So I got more opportunity. So now uh, my, my um, ratings and my statistics and, and how I'm perceived is vastly different because I'm getting more opportunity. So um, that, that can be a factor. Uh, I think that when you look at Keanu, it is an extraordinary situation where he legitimately, when you look at the growth he made last year to how he's continued to grow it is a fantastic story and there's another mm. example of adam ford needs to take a, a get a lot of credit for that for at the very least motivating someone to to keep that focus to keep working um so he's uh, absolutely worthy he, he would not be my again he would not be my number one choice but he absolutely is in there and and he is the reason he's not my number one choice is because I probably had him number one last year, and to make such a, an improvement that you th- see is better than someone else, it's it's a, it's a little hard. Uh, Sean McDonald is right up there, in my opinion. Again, that one could be more just to do with opportunity, just getting to play more. Um, yeah. But what he's, how he's been able to fit in in big moments, uh, he has assumed a role that has been very very important to the to the Jack Jumpers. Uh, and the other one, and if you were saying. Well, who ultimately would you have as number one? For me, yeah. Will McDowell-White, I think, is, is right up there. Um, his value to his team and mm. the way in which he is contributing individually uh, is, is extremely important, and I think he has made enormous strides forward. Now, I might be slightly biased because I'm thinking over... The, since he first came back into the league, and maybe I haven't looked specifically at what he did last year, maybe, but from the player that he was some time ago to where Mm -hmm. he is at now, he is is the most improved. Now, again, is the criteria most improved from two years ago or is it most improved specifically from last year? Ah, you know, they're all valid things because the New Zealand situation last year was something that is almost an asterisk next to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but um, but yeah. So I I I'd 
that's how I would lean if I was casting my votes, what, which, I, which I didn't do. All we do is put up nominations. And they, those, like they, all those were in there, so I can't. I'm not wrong on any of this. Yeah, no, I like it. I, I feel similarly, and I tell you what, I can't. I can't wait to watch Will McDowell White in the playoffs. Like you talk yeah. about the importance to that team, he's been playing so well over the past month. Uh, he's the engine that makes that team hum. There's got they've got so many great pieces. Uh, Barry mm-hmm. Brown Jr., third leading scorer yeah. off the bench. Derek Pardon, a uh, Jarrell Brantley, a bunch of really great pieces, but. For me, Will McDowell-White is the guy that makes that team hum. Mm. And I can't wait to see how he elevates, because you have to elevate your game mm. in the playoffs, as you know only too well, um, how he goes when the when the whips start cracking in a couple well, of weeks. Well, you know what? You make a... And it's another discussion point that you can have in that should these awards uh, include playoff performances? I think you can actually have... Where you're not going to exclude those that those incredible performances by individuals that didn't make the playoffs, but if someone does something extraordinary in the playoffs, hmm. uh, should they be included? That's that's another debate, and I can see the pros and cons to, to both sides. Uh, but you know, I think when you're talking about uh, individual accolades. Maybe that has to have some weight as well, perhaps. Now, I, I, I understand. You can have, you can be, you know, LeBron James misses out on the playoffs this year. He won't win the MVP because we don't all know how it works. But my goodness, that, that, that's, he is absolutely in that top three of, of candidates, in my view, regardless of whether the team makes the playoffs or not because of the circumstances of the team that he's playing in. So mm. it's it's very subjective and everyone will have a different opinion. That's the beauty of it. <laughs> I spoke about best six man then in referencing Barry Brown Jr. I mean, yep. he's the out-and-out favourite for this award. Sitting alongside him in the top three vote-getters, yep. Rashad Kelly in Tasmania, Tyler Johnson in Brisbane, three imports that have been coming off the bench for the majority of yep. the season for their squads. Uh, thoughts on this group? Well, I have some challenges with this category. And based on the criteria, those guys you mentioned, absolutely. But if you take Barry Brown Jr. as an example, he doesn't start, but he, he'd be close to leading the team in minutes played, I, I would guess. Uh, he plays a lot. So just because you're not on the floor when the ball's tipped, is that what we're calling a sixth man? Uh, yes. So it's a it's a... It's a you know, so I, how how else would you do that? Well, I Minutes guess there's, a, there's there's an element of subjectivity uh, uh, about it. We're taking a yeah. very objective approach. Say, hey, you don't start on the the first tip. You are a sixth man. Right. Well, technically yes, but practically, not in some cases no, because mm. you are playing starter minutes. You mm-hmm. are playing, so it's it's a it's an interesting category, but. Again, that might be another argument for others. Um, but I think if you, my choice would be Barry Brown. The mm. numbers speak for themselves. You, you mm. know, if you mm. want to say that he is coming off the bench, which he is, I'm not, you know, which he is, uh, mm. he for sure, for sure to me, has had a profound impact. And we saw that when he was injured recently and he's not playing. 
the impact he has on the team is, well, they lose. They, they were losing. <laughs> so they didn't win too many without him, I don't think. Well, not, no, not right. the recent stretch anyway. But sure. Yeah, so, so his value as a so-called sixth man uh, is very significant. So he would have been uh, my choice. The other one is Tyler Johnson. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that his numbers again, they, they speak for himself. Highly efficient, great shooter. Um, probably fitted in the more stereotypical sixth man because, you know, he played big minutes, but, you know, wasn't, wasn't quite the same role as compared to Barry Brown. So, so yeah, those, those two, I think, are the standouts. I think it's, you know, like Rashad Kelly has, has just fit in perfectly there in Tassie. I feel like he's, for sure. he, uh, he epitomizes everything that Scott Roth has built up at Jack Jumper to be in terms of how solid he is, how reliable, how tough. It may not be always yep. aesthetically pleasing, yep. uh, but, it's, but, it, but it's effective. Um, and uh, Barry Brown Jr. obviously has been a revelation mm. for New Zealand at both ends of the floor. Mm. Tyler Johnson, though, would you like to see... Uh, sorry, let me rephrase that. Mm. Uh, do you think the Bullets should re-sign him? I do. I, I, I hope that he stays in the league. I, I really like him as a player. I think that they went through a period of trying to figure, in, figure out how to use him and how he fits in. And the Bullets with the different ca- coaching changes, that, that made it uh, more difficult. Uh, I think that as we saw more of him, you, can, you see his efficiency. Like, he shoots the ball at a very, very high clip. And I think that structurally, how you use him is as different to some of the, you know, some of the other players. If, you, if you're comparing him to, say, Milton Doyle, just to, just to pluck a name out that comes off the top of my head, um, mm. Milton Doyle can play within a system but can still do his thing and create and get to the rim and, and do all uh, those types of things. I think that when you with someone like Tyler, to me, he would flourish more with a little bit more structure, to know when it is his time, to have more designated set plays to get his, his shot, to be a little bit more structured for him as opposed to someone like Milton Doyle. So I think that um, Tyler Johnson was really, really good. And I, mm. I think he's an elite player and... You, there's always context to someone's contribution and in a difficult situation, which the Brisbane Bullets went through this year, I mm. thought he performed well. Yeah. I, I just wonder whether they might go into the... They've got Nathan Sobey under contract, whether they might go into this season saying, you know what, this, it's, this time it's going to be like an import point guard. No, 100%. You know, like a, no, 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 I'm not, yeah. I'm not talking... Yeah, and yeah, so I, if you're not I'm, Brisbane, yeah. maybe... Maybe someone else. Correct. I think, or you, you're looking at your personnel to see how you can recruit around him to make mm-hmm. him more, you know, and they, they do. You're, you're spot on. They, 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 the, 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 the makeup and the mix of the Brisbane Bullets wasn't quite right. And mm-hmm. um, so, so absolutely. But I still think even with some of the personnel they've got, you, you make some other decisions about your other uh, import spots. I, I still mm-hmm. think you can make it work there but you're right it needs to needs to be a bigger picture but uh i think that he would fit in with a lot of teams Mm. um hey just just something that just popped up into my head because you mentioned milton doyle um all nbl first team all nbl first team cooks and creek 
as the inside guys because see, they I were buy, categ- I, I, I don't, I don't I just don't, I don't I, want I know, to. Let, let, I know. Let, let's not get in the rabbit hole about inside and outside. But the fact is, it's three outside, two inside, and those two guys were listed as inside guys. So you imagine they're going to get those votes. Yeah. Cooks and Creek over Pinder, I would assume. But but I don't. I know you don't want to go down the rabbit hole, but I'd like right. to hear a logical explanation of why you can't have Creek as a one of your three on the outside. Yeah. Well, I think you know, it's just because me, yeah. I'm, I'm all ease, but you know. Well, I just just because you talk about like, well, what arrives to the coaches and captains? I think what arrives is the name of the player and where they've been categorised. Of course, of course. But we're saying is yeah. that, and, and whether are we picking a team to actually play a game, or are we picking a team to um, that, well, that we think is the best team, or are we picking a team just to recognise greatness? Well, I don't. You made fifteen of them, so <laughs> you tell me, big fella. Well, I think it's more a symbolic selection than yeah. you're, you're actually putting your general manager's hat on saying, well, no, I'm I actually agree. going to pick. So, so I think it's a, a recognition for uh, elite performance. Yep. And sometimes we would pick five that I'd go, oh, well, th- th- these are elite performances and they've done that. But this combination here, would I go with this five? Oh, no. Probably not. So, so Not a thing. I, yeah. I think if you're going to pick it, on recognition, you've got to find a way to get those that deserve the recognition the most the best chance to be in there. Oh, so uh, would you be open to the idea then of the All NBL first team and the All NBL second team moving forward being positionless? Well, not just well, well, a lot just of folk, basketball folk things, five guys. Yeah, like the WNBA has changed too. Yeah, and a lot of it is positionless basketball. I think what you've got to do is just take a broader view of what a player is. And Mitch Creek is, is the example. Don't, don't give him the option to put it. If, if someone thinks that he's worthy of a first-team selection, but he's going he's gonna to deny someone else that you think absolutely should be there, but because of some positional thing, he's going to miss out, put him in as, a, as one of your perimeter guys. Put him in there and then have that flexibility so you sort of get a bit of both. And, and, and that doesn't apply to a whole... But there is some that fit in that band where you can you could easily see how that would be. Now, if, if you had a situation where there were no others, you know, and, and, and it was going to deny someone from the perimeter being in there, well, whack Mitch Creek in there as your, form, your, your, your big guy and get that guy in. Because it's okay. trying to recognise those five best performances. All right. So let, let's okay. Let's just assume Cooks. It's going to be two of Cooks Creek and Pinder on that as those inside guys. Just just for the sake of argument, moving forward. Mm. Bryce Cotton is going to be in there. Yep. Um, who for you m- would make up those next two spots oh, out of? And I'm going to give you. A couple of names here okay. who I presume will be in this mix. Yeah. Out of Derek Walton Jr. Yep. Barry Brown Jr. Mm-hmm. DJ Hogue. And maybe you can throw Will McDowell wide into that conversation at that point there as well. Yeah, yeah. And you know the other one that Or Ray John Tucker. Yep. Who's been and the other one that, that I think is worthy of the conversation. Now I don't know who's gonna get there. I don't think he's gonna get but Derek Pardon and what he's been able to do with the mm. breakers has been 
significant. You mm-hmm. don't you go from you don't go from last to second, which is where they're likely going to finish, mm-hmm. purely because you've got a new coach. <laughs> you know, you go there because you've got some very significant talent to, to come in. Yep. And and I think if you're talking about stereotypically an inside guy, he fits that Ooh. that bill. Now I'm not I'm not going to argue. You know, you presented the names, but I'm just throwing another one up that that, that yep. comes into that conversation that you're there. I did not, on my in when I was ranking him, and we all might have been on the show that I do on the radio, or we might have discussed it <laughs> during one of the games. I can't remember. I know I, yeah. I at that stage, which is two or three weeks ago, I did not have DJ Hogue in my first team. I did not. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and I did have Derek Walton. So I did have Derek Walton in there purely on the basis that he's leading the team that's got clearly the the, the um, superior win loss record and they're in first mm-hmm. place and mm-hmm. uh, the defending champs and are the absolute un- unanimous favourites to win it all. So uh, I, I did have him in there. And and right now, if you had to pick, and man, this is tough, and I'm sorry to do this to you, but no, if good. you had to put one of Milton Doyle or DJ Hogue in that team, and the other one makes the second team, who who would that be? Well, if you if you're just putting it down to those two, which I'm, mm. I'm not sure I would, but let's just for your sake of the argument, that <laughs> is the case. Uh, then I would probably lean more towards uh, Milton Doyle. Now, everyone in Cairns is going to hate me. I love Ho. I absolutely love him. I yes, think that's right. he's in that yep. top... He's in, he's, in your, he's in your top all-star 10. Elite. And, and I'm just trying to... Um, but but um, to me, the versatility of Milton Doyle, uh, you know, he didn't... I was a bit disappointed in his defensive efforts last Friday. I'll give you the mail. There were some, some clips there that I'm sure uh, Scott Roth had cut up and said, mate, well, you need to do better than this. Um, right. So, but, but but there is that versatility, the creativity, his willingness to buy mm. into a system, his willingness then to understand that sometimes I need to call my own number, and he does it without being selfish. He does it within that system. That's an underrated skill, because clearly he has got talent. You can throw him the ball and let him do his thing, but he's bought into a system when he has to. And has the basketball IQ to know that sometimes this is this is not an egalitarian thing, and I'm going to have to do my my thing. So uh, I really respect that. But DJ Hogue is a star. I love it. You know the size, the shooting, um, and and him similarly the way in which he plays with his teammates, all those things. So you're asking me to make a choice. Which yeah. which one of my kids do I love the most? I love them all. <laughs> but. Um, but rather than sit on the fence like I'm accused to a lot of the times, that's the way I would go. I like it. All right, hey, Next Gen Award, the new one that's come into the mix. Now, whoo, I know that you will have some thoughts on, on the Rookie of the Year um, being uh, no longer. Yep. The Next Gen Award being in its place. Um, it's for players that are 25 uh, sorry, under 25, as yep. of April 30 of the year in which the season finishes. Yeah. Um, the f- imports, DPs, um, anyone playing in the league is eligible for this award if they're yeah. of this age. Luke Travers, Sam Froling, 
Sam Wardenberg have been the top three vote-getters right. in this category. Okay. Gee, it's a tough one. It is a real, real tough one. Um, uh, Wardenberg is, is a, a great talent. Really mm. good. And the way in which that he's helped Cairns transform their team, he has had a, he's a big part of that. Um, mm. And... Maybe because we're sort of a bit old school, we think of what this award has been. It's hard to change your mindset mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. you know if it was the, if it was the old fashioned rookie of the year, then he'd probably he'd be the guy. Not and and there's this very strong argument, Liam, that well, what really is a, ro- a rookie? The criteria for being a rookie, someone that's played four years at a, a major school in the ACC at my in playing for Miami, uh, mm-hmm. you are very, very experienced, but you're still a rookie, uh, as opposed to a young kid coming in that's never had that college experience, maybe coming out of the AIS Josh Giddy style. That's a mm. different type of rookie. Um, mm. So that, again, it's, it's, it's... So now, with this award, that, that, that this thought doesn't apply. It's it just... doesn't. These are the young guys in the league who's been the best. Yeah. Uh, Well, I guess, again, it's very, very difficult because all three of them are absolutely worthy. I suppose if I was had to, again, pick one, I'd probably say... I'd say Sam Froling. I think that with the, the captain of his team... Young guy, carrying that burden of captaincy. His form was a bit variable, of course, mm-hmm. but across mm-hmm. the checks and balances, I think he he is a next star in genuine next star Olympian. In the, it keeps improving. He might even be not in this league. So mm-hmm. he has got tremendous upside and always hard when you're talking about a player that was in a team that only won three games. Well, they might win four. Who knows? But they only won three games. But I think that the competitive nature of that team, given the adversity that they had to go through, there's always context to a player's performance. And his context is very, very difficult. Very difficult Mm. set of circumstances. And he he had responsibilities beyond just playing the game. And for that, Mm. maybe I'd probably lean more towards him. Yeah, really tough. As Sam Warnberg also, you know, as you say, he's been he's been great. So has Luke Travers. In the end, what I think is quite cool is the opportunity here to celebrate these three bright young stars yeah. of the league. You know, and one of them is a, is a first year pro. Sam is is not. Luke is not. But they're all still very in that sort of young twenty two, twenty three year year old category, yep. and they've all got really great bright futures in the game, whether it's here or. Or elsewhere. So, you know, congratulations to him and onwards and upwards from here. Here, here. Well said. There, 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 mm. there is, they're all equal worthy winners. Um, unfortunately, someone's got to win, as they say. Or who knows? It might be ties. But um, and, way and, of voting group. And, you know, you talk about all worthy winners. We land now at that Andrew Gaze trophy that will be handed to the most valuable player of NBL 23. Now, oh, dear. Oh, I was rapt to see, I, I, I wasn't surprised, yeah. and I hoped I wouldn't be surprised to see that the three top vote-getters 
were Bryce Cotton, Xavier yeah. Cooks and Mitch Creek. I think in the end, as a result of Keanu Pinder's injuries and his missed games and the like, for me, those at Barry Brown Jr. similarly, those three for me are the, the, the guys in the running and I think that's pretty um, uh, well held, yeah. widely held view. Man, I said on the NBL Overtime the other day, like, I'm happy to sit here and listen to people make cases for any one of those yeah. three to be the MVP of this yeah. season. What a cool place to be. You yeah. know, there were years, there's been years along the journey and there were numerous where you were the guy where it was really clear who was going to be the MVP of that season. Bryce has been that guy a couple of times along that way. This year, I don't think it is that way. Mm. If any one of those guys walked out with the trophy, you would be hard-pressed to say robbed in yep. any way, shape or form. Man, what a what a great season each one of those guys has had. It is, and it's anyway. Which whoever wins it, like we were talking about with these, a lot of the other awards, there's there's no argument from me. Any one of those three wins it, I say, yep. Bad luck to the other two. You were equally as worthy, but that's just the way the cookie crumbles. The voting system worked that way, and you didn't get the nod. But they've all had profound impacts on their teams. Uh, I think they've all um, conducted themselves and represented their teams the way that you'd want them to be represented. And they're all bona fide leaders. You know, they lead their teams in different ways, but they absolutely lead. Um, Some people like to use the argument to decide who it should be by saying, well, if you took one of them out of their team, what would be the impact? Uh, I think that that's not unreasonable. Um, And I think with each and every one of them, it would be profound. It would have a significant impact on each and every one of those teams if any of those uh, were there. I don't, in that particular uh, um, circumstance, I don't think you can argue that, you know, maybe slightly you could argue that particularly early on in the season, if Bryce wasn't there, what he means to Perth. Maybe he had the the nod in that category. But, geez, you take Mitch Creek out of that team, and I have great fears, Mm. great fears for where that team would be. And Mm. um, despite their horrific run of injuries that the Phoenix have had, Mitch Creek has kept that team together, in my view. He's kept that team highly competitive, been remarkably consistent, and um, you know he, he would not be out of place as the league MVP. And Xavier Cooks is is a bona fide superstar. He's just mm. fun to watch, playing in the best team in the competition, and that will probably, if I was to guess how when you can't separate them, how mm-hmm. people would vote, I think. That, that, that Xavier Cooks will probably get the nod because of the incredible success the Sydney Kings have and him being the head of the snake so he's and the yeah. best player on that team. So he, mm-hmm. um, he'll he get that nod. Uh, in my judgment, if I was making a... who would be my pick, I would probably lean more towards Mitch Creek. Wow, right. I've been leaning towards Xavier Cooks. Yeah. Just just a tiny bit ahead of Mitch Creek, who's just a tiny bit ahead of Bryce Cotton. And then I woke up this morning and was <laughs> and didn't feel like I knew what I was talking about. Well, and I'm thinking, hold on. Bryce. 
Hmm. Hold on, Bryce. My God, like, have, have I... Have I got voter fatigue? I'm not even voting, but do I have the proverbial voter fatigue on Bryce Cotton? And going back and re-looking at his amazing season. And Mitch yeah. Creek, I agree with everything you just said there. So that's why, I mean, speaking about sitting on the fence, like I probably still stay in that same frame of mind. But again, I just reiterate the point, all three of those guys. And I, it's very unusual, I think, to land in a spot like that mm. where you go... It's really, really, you know, you're saying someone different to who I'm saying and yeah. a bunch of people will be saying Bryce Cotton. So it's a really cool situation to land in where uh, the, the, the flagship award for our league could go to any one yeah. of those guys and everyone would feel they're worthy. And, and I think there are some times in games where Sydney had a margin and, and people will give credit as they should that perhaps Xavier wasn't chasing stats. Mm. You know, that, that that's a... A common thing when I hear people, uh, others, when we talk about making this judgment and just looking at the stats and the numbers. and um, But to me, Xavier had a few, a few games where he was really good but not at the same consistent yeah. high, high, uber level as someone mm. like Mitch who had to be because his team were de- yeah. was decimated he by... He didn't have those games. No. By, if he didn't have some of those games... Uh, they're probably not going to sneak into the finals. Yeah, and but you're yet, right. I feel bad even saying that because I mean because you got the you got the guy on the team who's locked in a top spot mm. with, with with and he's the the franchise guy that built the team around him this season. He's the fulcrum around which it all pivots. Yep. And then you got a team in Southeast Melbourne who, who knows? Maybe Adelaide, maybe Melbourne absolutely whack Adelaide in unusual circumstances, <laughs> and Southeast Melbourne don't even make the top six. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's crazy how how close it all is, and and, and who knows? They could even finish fifth and, and host that that first final. So I don't, it's it could go either way, but can't wait to watch it all play out. We're going to see it on Tuesday night. You're going to be up there handing it to one of those guys, I which is going to be. Awesome. And uh, in the meantime, we've got a whole bunch of games to take place over this weekend that are going to be very, very fun to watch. No, it is. And uh, what an exciting time. And we made, I made this call on one of the, either the jump or we might have said it during the broadcast that uh, through good luck or whatever explanation, uh, thank goodness we do have this top six this year because mm. we have legitimately teams... Even the seventh place team this season would make claims to say over over a short three week window or four week window throughout the playoffs they get it together they could conceivably win the whole thing. So I think it's um, it's the, the change has been justified and it won't always be like that. I'm sure we're going to have some seasons where we go oh geez this fifth and True. sixth plane may not be all that relevant. But but this year that's not the case. So this year well done to those that that had their, got out their crystal ball and could see what was uh, unfolding. And it gives chances for teams that, um, that may, have, may have just had some bad luck throughout the course of the season and fallen off the, the perch a little bit. They get their players back and who knows, they, they might be able to make something special happen. True. Um, well, I can't wait to watch it. Happy calling on Friday. That Cairns-Perth game is going to yeah. be... Um, no, no, that's, is that Thursday? Uh, no, Friday. I, I don't know what. No, that's Friday. Friday. Yep. Okay, yeah, so happy calling then, and then I'll see you on Sunday, the final day of the regular season, as we bring it home with two massive games. Um, Great to chat. Great, man. Thanks so much. Good on you, Liam. I appreciate it.